0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fozcast. We have got a little bit of a different episode for you today because we are doing a Q&A session. We put a post out on Instagram this morning asking you lovely people to get in touch in your droves. Ask those, those lingering questions, the ones that you don't know, the, the inner workings of a football club. How does this happen? What happens when that happens? What, what do you do when... And we have got Paul Robinson, ex-West Brom, Birmingham City, Watford, Bolton. He's made nearly 800 career appearances Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad, too, so let's get right to it. The new Moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money. Maker. Play the game, and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than 88 million in prizes, ranging from 50 to 500 dollars,
1: MoneyMaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play
0: responsibly. What a guy, by the way. We've done a football filling episode this morning, and it was honestly world class. Robo, it was world class. So thank you for joining us. Um, you're not actually fully retired though at this moment in time, are you? Because we heard, didn't we, Tom? That um, I heard we heard a little swing on the grapevine. Didn't? we? What did
1: we hear? That Paul Robinson's back playing football again. He's back playing football again. (laughs) He's
0: playing Saturday morning football. And can we say old habits die hard? No, without doubt. He's Paul Robinson, mate. When that red mist comes over, the red mist comes over. So talk us through it. You're playing on a Saturday afternoon. Who is it for?
2: Yeah, so it's for my local village, Claverdon, because it's a team my son plays for. Uh So the great joy of actually playing in the same side as my son was a great life experience. That's nice. Uh, yeah good result of the weekend 4-0 in the cup game clean yeah, sheet got a yellow card first one
0: who did you play against
2: uh, we played against Midland Lions love that yeah away at the uh, Walsall 3G oh. at the back of
0: oh. the West training ground yeah so <laughs> talk to me about 3G what's that yeah, like on the body uh, on Sunday morning when you wake up
2: can be painful M- mainly Monday yeah. That, yeah that 24 hours was like not too bad but yeah. then the 48 hours yeah it starts Weird. kicking in what about joints. like
0: burns do you get any of those little like slidey burns or anything
2: yeah only if you go in for crazy tackles which I don't anymore you sure yeah. I
0: uh, I heard, somebody told me that you might have picked up a yellow card late on.
2: I, yeah, I did. That was more tiredness <laughs> and wanting to keep a clean sheet.
0: Talk me through the yellow card. Was it a worthy yellow card or what? Uh,
2: you could say it was, yeah. It stopped a, a, a counter-attacking threat that they give, yeah. But I think the funniest thing about it was that this is amateur football <laughs> at its greatest. <laughs> is you get a couple of supporters every now and then watching the games and they sort of just oh, can Paul be Robinson. vocal every it's now and then. It's Paul Robinson. So, when did you retire quickly, Paul? 2018-19 uh, Okay And yeah. you're 45 45 now right. yeah. Yep. yeah Quite so a good this, old career mate The first time Obviously since I've left Millwall That I wanted to Get back involved In yeah. playing football And how would my body Cope with it And I feel great I actually feel really <clears> good Which is And it keeps my mind at uh, active as well which is even better for and you me.
0: put a dirty tackle in and it wasn't
2: a dirty one it was just a lazy late like just sort of oh, I'm too tired with this now you' running at me so but let's just let's just finish it there um, <laughs> so yeah I took a yellow card for the team and then all of a sudden I've got this just one geezer just standing and it makes me laugh every time now I just remember it he just put his arm Robo, Robo. <laughs> we loved you at the Albion Robbo and I was like oh my god is this what my Saturday's all can about can you
0: imagine how surreal that must be though for like a, an ex West like a, an ex West Brom player and then you've got a West Brom fan on the sideline watching one of his heroes from back in the day absolutely end somebody nail somebody in the 90th minute picking up a old old old, old habits old what is it old, old dog new tricks no uh, old, uh, habits, old, old habits her, oh, yeah, yeah, basically everybody knew he was going and there he is. But it's nice to see you back, mate. And we're looking forward to this one today because you're going to help me lift the lid on all of these sort of all of the questions that we've got in first of all I'm going to start with one if that's okay lads please because I got a question sent to me from text message this morning um, that's from a guy called Steve Thompson do you know a guy called Steve Thompson Steve Thompson I know very well Steve Thompson is the uh, manager of Norton Lindsay under 15s who my son and your son play for Mm. Um, Robbo is also kind of the assistant manager is it fair to say helping out the coach the the assistant manager the help how he's 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 a good guy to have on the sidelines, basically. You get into the referee's ear a little bit, don't you? Um, and anyway, Steve, um, after an incredible 4-2 win yesterday against top of the, top of the league team, um, sent a question in that said, Robbo, um, did Tomo, which is Steve, did he make the subs too early yesterday and did that nearly cost us the game? No, he didn't make the subs too early because I think in
2: grassroots football, you've got to give all the boys a chance. Love that. Um, so the rotation of the teams are important, that every kid's getting their minutes. And it's just it's just the character in the game. It's just the way the game changes, unfortunately. In football, it's you could be winning one, one minute and then the next minute you could be level, which yeah. we were. We ended up conceding two goals to set pieces, 2-2. Two, two, but that just shows you then the character of the boys, second half, Went and, and went and won the game 4 2
0: in the end, so yeah, brilliant. Resilience, isn't it? That's what it's all about. We're big believers in resilience, but aren't we? With the Robert? grassroots
2: football, like Tom there obviously, he's the manager, and I I help out, um, just, just try and obviously give my perspective on the game and try and help the boys because it is under 15s football, it's it's a learning game for them, yeah. and to give them as many minutes as they can and rotate it is it's great for the boys,
0: yeah. Love that,
1: right? In that case, then let me ask one question from myself, and then we'll get into all of the Instagram questions on the back of that. In both of your opinions, what age is the right age for young players to go into an academy? Oh, Robbo, you I mean, I, I on, personally I believe that they, <clears throat> they shouldn't be too young. What's your thoughts, guys?
2: Love this. I think you get the two types of players that are naturally built for academy football, or they're not ready for it at all until the later stages, which I'm a big believer in, in the way it goes sometimes in the academy. You could be in there from the ages of nine, put it, but it's earlier, but from nine all the way up to 16, and you get told you're not getting a contract. That's the most devastating news that you want to hear, that you've worked all of that. Or you go and carry on playing grassroots football with your mates, having fun. You get past the 16, 17 age. You're not told you're getting a contract. You're not getting a contract, but you're still having fun with your mates. But then you get later on in your career, and you're playing at a a level where you're now getting recognised and you're getting watched by scouts. And then you go into that environment. I find it's better because one, you've played against proper men, mm. and you've developed at a young age to get beaten up by men and kicked around the pitch. And then you go into that environment where you're ready-made. Whereas in academies, are they ready-made for it? That's it's, that's a
1: good point. But Ben, just on the, on the flip side of that, just to play devil's advocate, if you're getting top-level coaching from the age of let's say ten to seventeen, whereas um, like Paul's
0: just describing. Are than those kind of Sunday League players at a disadvantage? Yeah, without without doubt, I still think the the coaching can be good, depending on the coaches and who's doing it. But I just think I prefer the latter model that you spoke about there, Robbo, where I think it I think it makes you more of a rounded individual, more of a rounded robust. footballer, more robust, robust. more resilient. Um, I, I do I you know I towards the end of my career I saw some of the young players coming through, and I just think they're a little bit too mollycoddled, a little bit too wrapped in cotton wool everything's kind of been handed on a plate to him. Again, you get the certain individuals, it's about yeah. their character, what they are as a person. You get the odd one that sticks out and you think, oh, he's got a real good chance he has because his mentality, his professionalism, the way he approaches it is, is done properly and it's in the right manner. Um, but I do worry that in that academy system, I think if they if they are a real shining light and they're, they're exposed to first team action or first team training early doors, that then leads with a new contract and being hyped up, and I, I and I do think that can be damaging. So I don't I don't believe in putting kids in a in an academy from a young age whatsoever. I like per, my personal experiences. I, I left school at sixteen. I was a chef for two years, playing non league football but it, it afforded me that, that roundedness where I appreciated what it looked like to go out and work 40, 50-hour weeks yep. in a kitchen, sweating, working And hard. probably less pressure, Ben, right? Yeah, much less pressure. And then when I got the chance to play football, I think I, I appreciated it a lot more.
1: Right, nice. Okay, right, we're going to dive straight in. We've got one here, um, an interesting one. It's an anonymous one on, on Instagram. Is SNUS used a lot at the top level oh. now what snus is it's little tobacco
0: pouches yeah right little disposable it's, p- it's not chewing tobacco is it no no because you don't chew it
1: you just no. leave it in your gum yeah so like yeah. we're in America in the old days you'd see people with chewing tobacco and they don't spit, spit it, it into a spittoon yeah this is little pouches of tobacco that people put on their gum yeah and it gives them a hit the tobacco I believe will go you know quickly into the bloodstream and give them that little
0: buzz now, I, think, I think Jamie Vardy's made it a bit more sort of famous hasn't he because he's yeah. obviously somebody that uses it
1: right so what's your experience of this guys is it used a lot and what are your thoughts um,
0: yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's used a lot it's used a lot and
2: my thoughts on it are is, it's your choice with what you want to do It's but the, the, the worst thing for me is what I hate is I see it lying around everywhere just put it in the bin Yeah, it's like any bit of rubbish it's like if you're going to do it and you're going to take it just if you're going to replace it then just put it in the bin don't leave it in the shower don't leave it in the corridor even put it in because, your pocket
0: and save it for later because what you've
2: got to remember is that other people that like the other staff members that work in and around the offices around training grounds and they walk up and down and see that in the corridors I just find it disrespectful just put it in the bin yeah yeah that's fair
0: enough. It, it, it's 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 very common in football yeah. i mean very very common like
1: you would see i would a, say a high percentage I would of say players use
0: it 40 50% of players maybe maybe that much do you think
2: Maybe more,
0: maybe more, maybe, maybe, more, maybe yeah. more. It is a very. It's a. It's, it's it's obviously first came to prominence. I'd say probably ten years ago. Yeah. Um, it's a Scandinavian thing, isn't it? Yeah. I remember Jonas Olsen actually at West Brom was massive on it. Seb Larsen at Birmingham City massive on it. Um, they. It's kind of obviously. It, it, there's a lot. It's a lot better for you than smoking. Um, but what I, what I think, uh, I've never tried it, i, I hopefully never worked it, uh, I've never smoked or anything like that, but it kind of, it's just that sort of relief of it, it just might calm you down it's a nicotine, little bit. nicotine, isn't it? It's you a little buzz, a little bit of relaxation. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, I'd say it's kind of a lesser evil of, of smoking, basically. I think I think when you look at
1: Modern day footballers obviously they get tested all the time. Yeah. There's probably more pressure on them now ever yeah. to have really good lifestyle. You see, like players like Marcus Rashford and lots of others, that they they do their own pre season, yeah. so they do a pre pre season themselves, yeah. don't they? So, I think it's probably just a small vice that a modern day player will have. Which there's nothing too wrong with
2: yeah, that, is there?
0: Maybe a, a little bit more I, research needs to go into it, maybe, but, yeah, it, but I, I'd but that, say but that it's, will
2: come from the doctors, wouldn't it, or the yeah. medical department. That is. That's then the issues when that's brought up. But yeah. as far as I'm aware, it's, there's
0: no. I, I don't think there's, there's no an issue with it. it. It's probably, like I say, it's a it's a lesser evil than turning to some of the harder alternatives, which could be smoking or alcohol. Um, so I'd say that as long as it's not a problem or an addiction, I I think I think, it, I think it's, okay. it's okay. Fair enough. Very right. common though. Very common.
1: Okay, we've got a question for Junior J five zero four six one. If you could have played under any manager in your career, guys, who would it have been? Ben, we'll start with you.
0: Listen to this, lads. On, you might have played under him, actually. Sam Allardyce. No, I didn't. <laughs> Did you know? No, not? he left Bolton just oh, before he... I went. So, um, I remember um, Sam Allardyce. Um, Paul Robinson, when I first got into the England team, was the goalkeeper, and he was at Blackburn with him. And he used to say, he said, For honestly, he's the best manager in the world. For a goalkeeper, he's the best manager in the world. He is like, when you get the ball, you kick it as far as you possibly can <laughs> away from your goal. Like, as far as you possibly can, yeah? He says, I would be taking free kicks from... From like the halfway line and sticking it onto the other goalkeeper, he said. And the manager used to just love it. He said the amount of time. He said saves didn't matter to him. He said, but if I would launch the ball and it would land on the crossbar of their their, their goal, he said he would be giving me a ripple. Even from the better, side. stick it on Big Kevin Davis' head. Oh, right. murder! <laughs> big absolute cool. big Samba coming up from centre back and all that, Christopher Samba. Um Yeah, it, that that to me sounds like heaven. Tony Pulis weren't a million miles off that. To be fair, I used to love it. It was very with with Tony Pulis, same as probably. Uh, Sam Allardyce it was black and white I knew exactly what I had to do stop the ball going in the back of the net and when I got the ball in my hands or at my feet it was get it as far away from my goal as possible right and what about you Robert
2: I think now when you're looking at it I'd love to have had that time under Pep just working under Pep or Jürgen just with their mentality and what they what they expect and what they want from a player Um, Do do you think they
0: would have made you a better player 100% yeah really
2: yeah just because of that demand but that work rate I love work rate I just love that the, my whole yeah, was yeah, yeah. that winning. I want to win, even though it's impossible to win all the games. Yeah. But it's just that philosophy. Of it is, is I think we that's
0: we what's missing a little bit from modern football nowadays: is having players and wanting to do it for the team. Do yeah. you know what I mean you want your team to win on a Saturday, don't you? Yeah. It's as simple as that, and yeah. you'll do whatever it takes yeah. so that your team wins.
2: Yeah. But when I was playing, I'd love to have probably experienced someone like an Arsene Wenger or Sir Alex Ferguson. Yeah. That'd have been the two. So probably Arsene Wenger. Yeah. With the culture change of what wow. he did with Arsenal that would have, have been good to work under that so I'd have enjoyed I reckon working under Arsene
0: I'd love to have seen a little Robbo mixing it up at, at Man City left back absolutely hard as nails smashing people but Into then the also midfield. cultured the midfield. coming inside playing yeah. one-twos yeah. And move, oh, down the wing love yeah.
1: that right okay I've got another one for you uh, Bato74 do football agents have the best Interests of the players at heart,
0: or are they just looking for uh, an earner? Oh, Robbo, oh. you answer this. As somebody who's been in a coaching setup, right? Robbo is primed to answer this because he 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 understands the politics of what agents and players and how they work. Okay, let's get into this. So one So,
2: for me, I I had to be fair. I had a really good agent because we had a we had a working relationship. So he knew me, I knew him. So there was never any complications or anything. Um, but there are agents out there that are hopeless. Honestly, they're hopeless. They do nothing for the players. They leave them in the lurch. When the time comes to the end of the contracts, they just move on. You're just treated like a piece of dirt. That's all it is. So that player now is left in, well, what, are you, what else are you doing for me now? Like, where, where, where are you going to move me? Whereas they've got a new player on the scene that they see has got the potential and they just move on to that because they, they are, they're worried about...
0: The potential the, to make them more money. To make
2: them more money. That's
1: and you, all it is. Do you think, because you hear a lot about it, especially with these super agents and stuff, do you think that, a high percentage of the time, the agent's own agenda comes before the players.
0: Their own agenda comes in because... The only way they make money is by moving that player. Or yeah? re-signing a big deal? Not as much. Not as much. Right. No. Nowhere near as much. They will get they will get a kickback and they will get paid when the player signs a new contract. But the big money comes when they sign for another football club. Especially if that player can run his contract yeah. down. If a player runs his contract down and he can go on a free transfer and there's, there's plenty of suitors, there's like three or four teams... That agent then is like, oh my gosh, I am rubbing my hands. Here. It's like a bidding war. I can play him off against him, against them off against them, and they can raise the price. And that agent, honestly, can ask for millions of pounds yeah, for yeah. himself. He will say to a, a lot of the lot of the ones will be honest with their player and say, right, I will. What you tell me the team you want to go to, basically. so, so if you've got four big teams after you, you tell me the team you want to go to. I will get the best contract out of that I could possibly can but what I will do in the meantime is I will play them all off against each other and I will say to them I want as an agent acting on my players behalf for me to bring that player to your football club I want 10 million quid but this is this is this is all based on the fact that you're talking elite level players so so if you're
1: um, I don't know let's say a Mason Mount a Declan Rice a a Jude Bellinger someone like that you're their agent I personally don't believe it's the hardest job on earth, no. right? But, you know, working inside football to, to agree. It's connections. It's,
0: it's, it's about it, having it that is. network.
1: I think where the agents are really good or potentially can be really good is if that player maybe isn't in absolute high demand or yeah. maybe slowly, like slightly further down the pyramid. Is yeah. it fair to say they probably have more work to do?
2: Um. Well, yeah, it's a selection of players, isn't it? I, I I find the best agents are the ones that have the the like. the the smaller number of players because then individually they get to know that player with a relationship because that player after games will not want to go sometimes and phone um, like you say your partner or your family member they might want an agent's view on what you thought of the game was if he was at the game watching it and then he would you'd give that value opinion of what you thought So say now for me if i started up an agency i would probably only want 10 players To them 10 players I would have a close relationship with is that I'm getting to them game by game, but I'm also analysing their game and I'm helping them. you're offering
0: them a real real value package of what you get. So
2: my service would be, you would phone me if you're struggling and I'd understand that, but I'd also be there, watch your games and then I'll help you develop as a player as well because I've played it, so I understand it, but I'd also relate to how you're feeling on the pitch. Yeah,
1: that's really important, isn't it? I mean, we've had um, Richard Lee, obviously, who's yeah. a former colleague of both of yours. It yes, would have been, yeah. Yeah. So, so Rich obviously is, a, is specializes in goalkeepers, yeah. but we know, speaking to Rich, that if you're if you're with Rich, he is analysing the data he knows the numbers, he knows every one of his players playing across Europe and the rest of the world, but also he's played in the game as well. So if one of his keepers does want to ring him up, Rich is coming from it from a
0: credibility point of view. Yeah, so, for sure. So based on that, does it help if you're an ex-player, do you think, Ben? Um, I would say so, yeah. I would say so. Because how, how crazy is it that a player would value the opinion of an agent that's never played football and take that opinion on how he played as sort of gospel almost? you know what I mean? You The people who you should listen to after a game are your coaches, yeah? You you know for yourself, first and foremost, don't you? You know if you've had a good game. You know what you've done well and you know what what you've done wrong. But the only real people is, if you're a goalie, it's your goalie coach. If you're an outfield player, it's your manager, it's the coaches. You listen to their opinion, yeah? Whereas nowadays, a lot of players are just, they they kind of hide behind this agent and they'll they'll use him to shield everything else. Whereas I think if you're a former player as an agent, like yourself, if if you were to do that, Robbo... I know you'd be coming at it from a very honest, not trying to make money point of view. You're telling the player if he's had a bad game. You're telling the player what he can do better. You're telling him what he's done well in first and foremost. And then you're listening to his needs, what he wants as a player. If he wants to stay there, if he if he wants to move to another club, does he understand what that entails? Does he know that he's going to have to uproot, find a new house, move his family there, new kids, new schools, new everything, all that yep. kind of stuff? So, the I think a lot of agents just don't even worry or think or give a second thought to that but side of it. They just see the money. It's a balance though, right? So you, you look
1: at a couple of examples. So there's, I think there's um, more and more players now are getting kind of maybe family to represent them. Yeah. Um, I think Declan Rice, maybe Mason Mount. I'm not sure exactly. Maybe that's just on the commercial side. Yeah. But one, you've got the trust. But then secondly, you kind of think are they getting the best they count? So it is a bit of a double-edged sword. And then you look at a Jesse Lingard in, of yeah. the world. And at the moment, you would probably say, from everything we know that's been out there publicly, maybe the representation hasn't well, been... Well, he's just, well, a, he's just yeah, got rid of them yeah, all, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah. Go, yeah.
2: But again, Jesse, now it's taken him that long to understand what good people it is to have around him. Mm. And he's finally taken that, he's bit the bullet and gone, I need to get rid of you. you won't, you're not helping me. And I, w- I just want to be playing football. And I think the Paul Scholes comments made him realise a little bit on his posts yeah. by going, Jesse, look, everyone just wants you to be playing football because we know what a good footballer you are. But your Instagram and everything like that, its you're just promoting stuff that you don't need to be promoting. Yeah. Just keep your head low, get back in football and do what, what everyone knows what you're good at, is, is being a good footballer. And that's I, what he needs now. Yeah, good it, people around him. It is, he yeah. He needs good people around him. And I think probably
1: even the common family like myself would would say that It was quite glaringly obvious that when he had that brilliant loan at West Ham, sign at West Ham. It was there. He was happy. He was scoring. Um... The money would have been good. Do you think that was one of those moments where he should have just signed for West
0: Ham? Yeah, do you know what? It's a really like the Jesse Lingard story is actually really interesting. There's so many, many factors at play from it. So, the West Ham, it, it all went so well for him. It yeah. was brilliant. And, and it's good to see Jesse Lingard in that shape and that position and that, that place where he's playing football with a smile on his face and he's doing well. He's scoring goal, making assists. West Ham are doing well. Everybody is benefiting from yeah. it, aren't they? But he's got, he's got something to play for there. Do you know what I mean? Mm. When he's at West Ham and he's on loan, he's got something to play for. He's playing for a new contract. He's playing for his position, his starting yeah. place. When he goes and signs a bigger deal, a longer deal, or it's almost like, again, it's that mentality. It's that um, the, the, you take the foot off the pedal and you will subconsciously relax and you won't be as effective. You won't quite put your foot in. You won't put your head in. You won't really risk it. And I think that's what he's got stuck in, is the money that was on offer was so big, it kind of took his desire away a little bit. Uh, But, you know, I'd say that he's probably taken some positive steps in the last week or so to, like I say, get rid of his former agents and just put it out there that he wants to start playing football again. I'd say... All the posts from Dubai where it's nice and warm is not necessarily the best thing or yeah. the best look because there's a, there'll be football clubs out there looking at it going, mm, I don't know if he's got the appetite. He's, he just wants to be somewhere nice and warm. I want to see him in the nitty gritty. I want to see him on the park pitches and putting in the hard yards yeah. and playing football. Yeah. That and, would be and, a good look. And,
2: and my advice to Jesse is, and I've gone through this as well, is that I put myself out for trials when I didn't have a club. Yeah. And I think Jesse needs to do that now. I think he needs to go and prove his worth. And that would be the hardest thing for him to do is to, to bite that. But you have. you got is that, is
0: that an ego thing, is it? It,
2: it might be where he's feeling, oh, well, I've, I've probably let myself go too far now down that route where I just want a club. I just want a contract. But at times you've got to go and prove that. You've got yeah. to go and prove your fitness. You've got to go and prove what a good player you are still. So go into a club, come back home, come back to England. Say, look, can I come in and train in? Have yeah. a look at me, yeah. what your thoughts are. And, and do it that way. And that's my only advice I'd give to him now. And if he's if he's got my number, Jesse, then give me a call and I'll try and help you out as much as yeah, you can. I,
0: I think that's fantastic because advice.
2: Because as players, when you do like a Jesse has, and other players will be in the same position, is when you get to that stumbling point of your career now, and with Jesse, it's it has been about the money and the people that are taking advantage of him have been about the money and not about him and his career and his future. Now for him, it's just, right, I just need to get myself back on track come home phone clubs go and let them have a look at you let them see what shape you're in play a couple of 21's games to get yourself fit and then the clubs now are seeing that you're hungry you want to prove a point mm. alright we'll sign you on a short term deal but now you've got to prove yourself
1: but look that, at Ross Barkley he's probably
0: a exactly, brilliant a great a good example, example and, right? Ross Townsend. Yes. and Ross Townsend
2: exactly the same thing but, you, it's, but it's horrible to say as a footballer because they'll be thinking well no I deserve it yeah yeah, it's humbling, look, isn't it's it? Humbling. Well, well, look, it's he, really humbling. He, he
1: got back in the England squad. He's, I think he's 31, Jesse, yeah. and he's, he's a top player You'd when like he's bang think on think he's here. got four he's or five years. years left. Four or he's five years He's still got plenty
2: left. of time ahead of him. But it, like now, I think the great thing about it is he's got rid of them people that were around him that were not doing any good by him. And now for him now, it's right, just get back on track. This is what I need to do in my head. This is how I'm going to do it. If it works, it works. But there is, the teams will give him an opportunity because yeah. we all know that there's quality there yeah. and he just needs to be given a that chance. It's
0: such a good look as well. Like I say, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's fantastic advice because if, you're, if he goes and rings a Premier League football club and says, would you accept me to just come in and on trial? And you turn up on time with everything you need and you're professional and you do a job and everybody can see your ability, that football club straight away goes, you know what, fair play. Fair play. I'll have that
1: all day well, long. But here's a question for you then, Ben. Someone like Jesse Jesse Lingard, what would he cost
0: a club? Um obviously it's free transfer, so No, they're, no, they're, as in as in if they had to go and buy someone of Jesse Lingard's quality. You you don't quite know what you're going to get. That's the whole point of going out on trial, is when you're seven months without a football club like Jesse is, you don't quite know what you're going to get. So nobody is going to go straight away, I'm going to give you even 20 grand a week, 30 grand a week. They're not going to do that, yeah? 20 grand a week is a million quid a year, yeah? No football club is going to do that on somebody that's been out of the game for seven months. So the going on trial bit is the big bit. Show that you're fit, show that you're hungry, show that you're professional and you want to do a job and then show your football skills when you get on the football pitch that's the bit that you have to do to make a football club go right i will now commit a contract offer for you but like i say there's no transfer fee there's not a lot to lose yeah you just take him on trial see what you got and then go from there fantastic love
1: it right okay next question uh dino 1585 paul robinson what was the emotions like in the great escape year so firstly tell Oof. us what the great escape was when it was and all about the emotions
2: uh, the great escape now was what was that 2005 2006 season i mean the emotions of just the roller coaster of being down the the, the depression of the, like you could get relegated, you could lose people's jobs behind the scenes. Um, so, this was good at, West, people. This at West Brom.
1: This is at West Brom. Yeah. And this was, am I right in saying they were the only team ever to be, at the time, at bottom, bottom of Christmas. At the first, yeah. team. First, first team. First team. Yeah, first, first team, first team, yeah. team. First team bottom ever. At bottom of Christmas to survive,
2: up. yeah, to stay up. But then I obviously had the same at Birmingham when we did it on the last day oh, away wow, at Bolton. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I've had it two times. Who where was the guy that scored? Who was it? Paul Callis oh, scored Paul the Kallis, equaliser. Yeah, I remember. in the 95th minute. But But, yeah, I mean, the emotions of it, it's hard to explain it unless you're in it. It's crying, laughing,
0: um, never wanting to be in them positions again. Do you know when you're losing week in, week out, and like I say, the the whole atmosphere around the football club is bad and it's negative. Does that affect your whole life? The negativity
2: does because that's the biggest part of football is the negativity around it. It affects everybody.
0: So everybody involved in that football club it affects you all. Does it? Does it linger down the line though, as well? So, does that affect you, which in turn will affect your maybe your wife, your kids, your your family members? Does it? Does it trickle that far down the line? I wouldn't say you try and keep
2: it away from your family as
0: much as you can yeah. because
2: obviously it's your working environment. Um, it's more of the the good people that work behind the scenes, mm. the ones that you know that could possibly lose their jobs or they got to take a wage yeah. like deferral. The dinner ladies, yeah. the coaches, yeah. physios, like maybe, the masters, have got to take men. cutbacks on 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 like equipment that they need for the football pitches. Yeah. They're important things um so yeah so so that pressure that intensity um but like you say when it when it happens it's you just you you're elated on you? yeah you're yeah, celebrating to the max you're you're overjoyed you're cuddling each other you're crying it's like and then but you just don't ever want to do that again it's yeah. different to to winning a title to to what you've done is the difference in emotions with it is that you've earned that you deserved it It's it's like sometimes you think we didn't deserve to stay up, but we did. But another team suffered because they've ended up losing money now and getting relegated, and people at that club have ended up losing their money. So, yeah, it's just it's an emotional game it is, but it's also a pressurized game in the people that you're doing it for behind the scenes that don't get the recognition that the, they
0: deserve. This is this is West Brom in the the kind of the boing boing year, basically yeah. is where they get that sort of name of up and down up and down a yo-yo yo team, a a yo team. A team. Us, yeah. they get promoted they get re- they yeah. get promoted they get relegated and it's Kieran Richardson on the last day of the yeah. season Do you score two did he on the No final Kieran
2: game? scored the second uh Jeff Orsfield scored the first yeah, he just nice. come off the bench. Yeah nice. Yeah so beat Portsmouth 2-0 um and then the other game was Cholton... I can't think who Chant will play. Fulham were playing Norwich, but Fulham absolutely spanked him about 7-0, I think, yeah. that one. Um, but yeah, they drew 2-2 and they needed to win. So we ended up staying up. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. Good. Right, that's I've
1: got a question for you, Ben, from Lee.Mason. Who was the forward that had the most shit owlsery? The guy that just yapped in
0: your ear or was a pain in the ass all game? Um... He, he wouldn't necessarily yap in your ear, but Luis Suarez at Liverpool was just disgusting to play against. He was horrible as a goalie, as a goalie, as a defender. You would have, you would have, you would have not enjoyed it at all either, um, because he was one of those sort of players who would he would pinch you secretly. He would, he would uh, like he would punch you if he could. Little sneaky punches. He would, if he could, leave one on you. After the ball had gone, okay. he would leave one on you. I remember him doing one to Jonas Olsen. I might have told it on the FOSCAST before. We are playing away at Anfield and Jonas has slid in to clear the ball from him. And I've just watched Luis Suarez just happily run his back two studs, the big studs, the, the long studs, yeah, the long studs, run them happily down Jonas Olsen's thigh. And Jonas is still sliding and I'm watching Luis Suarez, not watching the ball, not watching anything, but his studs and Jonas' thigh and happily watching him just run it down it and I thought oh you're (laughs) horrible and I remember saying to him like don't do that you don't need to do that but he's the sort of player I want on my team I wouldn't want to do that to Jonas he's an absolute giant he's an animal he's an animal but that was Luis Suarez for you but I want him on my team I want that guy who is going to do win at all costs and he wants the team to win it's as simple as that. Yeah. All right, he wants the team to win. Robbo, what about you then? So a different, slightly
1: different question. Have you had any players over your career that are particularly vocal um, that might be on at your wall game or or random, like, oh, what are you doing tonight, mate? If, like to put you off.
2: Have you got any any vocal players that spring to mind? Um, vocally, you'd probably say Roy Keane, when you played against him, he was yeah. always someone that he tr- he'd just try and intimidate the team. Not just you as a like as an individual, but in a tunnel. He'd be going, like, the words are, you're not not up for it. Look at these lot today, crumbling in their boots. He'd say that loud. Like, like just walking down the corridor. So, just wouldn't give a care. Because he was Man United captain. So, he was their leader. Everyone looked up to him. And he he did. He intimidated people. He intimidated individuals. He intimidated the team. Um, And that's just the way he was. But what a career he had doing it.
1: Do you think, that there's an element of... It's before the game, like, oh, come on, Roy, wait till we get on the pitch. Or is it the no, game is no, the game? That's where you would He's win the game. You'd yeah. win the
2: game in the tunnel before going out. If you had players like Roy Keane, that's where they'd win the game. Because they'd stand there, like, shoulders high, rolled back, going, these lot don't fancy it. And you'd look at them and you go, oh, my God, Man United today, look at them. Jesus, he, If you've got a couple of kids already. in your
0: team, right, and Man United walk out and you've got Roy Keane there, and then you've got Sir Alex Ferguson walking out after them, right? That, that, like you say, that game is won. He's got behind him. Yeah, that game yeah. is won. And, and, there and you're turning and around, you've got them players. Like even Vieira, but when you're looking
2: at Vieira, you're looking, you got your likes of Tony Adams and all that standing there and you're going, maybe by the way, that's not yeah. is, is this something that is just built into players
1: or are there people, coaches like you at football clubs, Robbo, uh, and Ben, is it something that you've spoke to players about that go, let's teach these young players body these, these yeah, behaviours? Body language, yeah. Body language. yeah, yeah. Try, is
2: yeah. this massive? Is, is try, this yeah. taught? Yeah, you, you try and teach the boys against the like even the grassroots teams about that some teams will turn up and they are all look at them, they think they've won the game already. That should inspire you today, boys. Look, go out and enjoy your football. Play with a smile on your face, but look at the way they've turned up there. They think they've won the game already. So go and show them what you're all about. And it's just that, the little motivational talks, but then you see it, the boys really get into it and they enjoy it. It's just its just part and parcel of football. Yeah, right? it's, That's that, a, it's, it it's that it's banter, isn't it?
0: It's, it goes into every aspect and every, every facet. Of everything, yep. it is. It's body language, yep. mate. If you if you see a team that you can see are up for it and they're raring and roaring and they they just look like their hackles are up on their back. You you do it gets inside you and you think it's gonna be a tough day today. And subconsciously that will affect you. It's as simple as that. Yeah. No, I like it. Right, I've got a quick one for you, Ben. If you could give a quick one here,
1: Davies ten uh, Wrexham fan looks like who has the better throw in? Rory Delap or Bentoza?
0: Oh, I, I love your toes, but Rory Delap's was phenomenal. Rory Delap's would would go to the back post. <laughs> it would go to the back post on a cold Tuesday on a night. Cold and so. Tuesday night. I'm either. going to
2: chuck a curveball out there as well. With Come on. One. Dave Challoner,
0: Oh, do you, he Dave's was the OG. The he was the OG. He used to run down the was tunnel. Was it Tranmere? Yeah. Tranmere. He used to
2: run down the tunnel and then onto the pitch to throw it. <laughs> Straight into your box. He got a 20 metre run
0: up just to launch a ball in there. He was the OG though, wasn't he? Rory would say
2: Rory was, was oh, ridiculous. Oh, he was scary, mate. He, yeah. he
0: was... He was like, Dave, Dave Challoner, mate. Dave Challoner. Oh he was the one who set the standard and then other people fell trail trailblazer. Yeah, the yeah, trailblazer he was. is what Right, here's one for you both. The best
1: derby game you've ever played in. Not individual, but... The biggest derby uh, game matchup that you've been involved with, Robert? Oh, uh, West Brom Wolves yeah. Oh, yeah. or
2: Watford Luton? Oh. Yeah, that, that. I'm, Watford, I'm, Luton. yeah Watford Luton that. surprise people. Yeah, yeah, that one's that one's fiery. It yeah. is a fiery one. Yeah, it's a fiery it? one. But the the West Brom Wolves one, yeah, is lively.
1: I, I don't, oh, listen. I know it's very regional with football, right? Okay, I'm a Wolves fan. It's very regional. People do not understand the Black Country derby. Wait, they're, no. they're, it going... is. Massive, if Wolves beat yeah.
0: Brentford in the FA Cup, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. that's one the game I'm looking derby. forward to. That is. Yeah, there's the a FA Black Country Cup's Derby, time. West Brom v Wolves, which will be a spicy it fair because, be because when it comes to a Derby, yeah. oh. all bets are off. Yeah. The, the, the atmosphere takes over, the emotion takes over. Yeah. I've played in some, un, I, I was thinking about this a few weeks ago, I've played in some proper Derbies, me. I played in Villa Birmingham, West Brom Wolves, I played in Wrexham, Chester, yeah. Luton, Watford. Luton, Watford, Man City, Man United. Man City, United, Liverpool. Man United, Liverpool. It's. I oh no, I don't think I did play Liverpool for Man United. You not? No, but no. that. But I will. I will still say West Brom Wolves. West Brom Wolves the best, the best one I ever played in actually was away at Wolves at Molyneux and um, we beat them 5-1 it's Five not like one. I like to talk about it much and, you might have put a
1: tweet <laughs> out at the time
0: and Wolves fans already hate me anyway but that was I remember that game we we absolutely <laughs> battered Wolves away Pete wingey on fire Jonas Olsen scored one. Keith Andrews um, Keith and then Andrews. Mick McCarthy was the manager at the time got sacked and I remember sitting on the coach after the game and Oh, the atmosphere around that Modern yeah. New Stadium was disgusting. Honestly. So that it was five. Disgusting. Yeah.
1: And then Wolves fans got their own back. They did get their own when back. When Wolves beat
0: Watford's. Oh, it was four. This was personally with you, oh, isn't it? It was four. It, it, it was a horrible experience. It was. It was. It was at Molyneux. and the Wolves fans from the very get go were on my back more than yeah, I've ever yeah, seen it anywhere, know. Robbo. Honestly, ever. Those Wolves fans when they get going, f- oh, ferocious they were, and it proper got in my head. I mean, proper got in my head. Fully affected my performance yeah. that day as well. Properly got in my head. So fair play, Wolves. You got your payback. You got your own back on that one. What, no, Wolves? Right. Okay. Quick question. Quick fire one. Who's
1: winning the Euros this summer, Robbo? Oh, gosh.
2: I want to say England. I'm going England. I'm going England. In- I've gone to stick with the country. Yeah, because we've got a great group of players.
0: Uh, it'll be France, won't it? Come on, don't be silly. It'll be France. I'm, I'm an England fan. I want England to win, and we've got a very good chance. But we are built as England fans to. Do really well and just fall short. That's what it is. I've never country. had you down as a negative I'm Nelly. I'm not then. a negative Come Nelly, on. but it's just been so the, the, I can only I can only learn from my past experiences. My <laughs> yes, past experiences tell it's me fair. that we it's will fair. just fall short. Yeah, France, you've got a fairly uh, good reason yes, history, exactly. not Right, okay.
1: Um Tom D, double one six. What are the weirdest pre-match rituals you
2: have seen before a game, boys? Oh. I've seen someone have a hot bath. 15 minutes line a hot bath oh yeah just get in the bath just for a game can you say who? <laughs> no I'm not going to say it well, well, this would have been at West Brom because you got baths at West Brom yeah no it was at um, Bolton it was at Bolton, <laughs> yeah, was at Bolton. <laughs> I've never seen anybody bath. if, if yeah, somebody had hot a hot bath 15 minutes, 15 minutes, minutes before, before kick off after the warm up no no before the warm up Oh my so literally gosh. get there name the team straight in the bath nah that's not done yeah, straight in the box. That's not done. <laughs> have
0: you got any? Uh, um, seen any? Uh, no, not. I, I remember at Watford, Kika for a very religious person. Um, he would bring a he would bring bring a little travel bag of all kind of religious stuff. So he would have pictures of his family. He'd have loads of different crosses and stuff. And he would lay it all out on his um, on his peg. Okay. Like nice. before the game, basically, and I think he would do a little prayer or something like that, but it would it was a it was a proper little kit he took with him to be fair. But it's just what he needed to get ready for the game and he was a very good player, to be fair, so it right. must have worked for him. Okay. Question for Fozzier. Um
1: <laughs> I could answer this for you. If you weren't a goalkeeper, what position would you be? He wouldn't, I don't think. No, God no. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's say that if if let's say that you're Outfield ability matched your goalkeeping ability. Yeah, where would you like to play?
0: Um, I would have liked to have been a defender. I would have liked to have been a um, a centre back. I think because um, I, yeah, I like to get, I like to get stuck in as well. I'd like to be. I'm. A, I would be a bit like you, Robbo, where the that I would I would relish the physical battle every day it would be don't get me wrong the tactics are brilliant and all that but I would I would relish every day it would be an opportunity to better my opposition whoever that attacker was that day it would be I want to get the better I've of him I've seen you get stuck in are we allowed to say that have we said that before about cough Connection Um, no probably not but it's fine Cov Connection by the way is a local kind of like six a side in Coventry in Coventry Um, and we used to play as kids didn't we it would be like a four a side or five a side four a
1: side so when you were at Stoke a young professional at Stoke Ben was our ringer so yeah. he'd come and play. He'd go in goal. No, sometimes. I'd play outfield no, as you'd well. you'd get bored. Yeah. You'd get bored. So, Rush goalie. Yeah, Rush goalie, yeah. Doli, yeah. Spider. Go. And I remember the one time be. we played a local t- Coventry team and it was, it's, it's, it's in Coventry. It's a spicy, <laughs> spicy league. And I remember this one time we are playing
0: this team that are particularly like volatile, yeah. right? And you are flying into oh, tackles. That's lovely, mate. It's lovely. But uh, it's the same as you. When, when you're on that pitch, it's they're trying to hurt me, so I will try and hurt them. And it's, it's just the way that it goes. It's, it's a mutual... Hurt off. And who hurt who that day? Well, nobody actually hurt me because I did it to myself, but I did actually, that was the day when I did my cruise shirt when I was 19 years old. Um, <laughs> the, it was off season. <laughs> and we like, yeah, I did, yeah. Oh, and we dear. were playing and nobody was near me. I think I've passed the ball to somebody, turned to run and uh, my knees just popped. Honestly, out of absolutely nowhere as well, wouldn't it? I just found yeah. a pop in my knee. I was like, that's not right. My knee just blew <laughs> you up. You just ran out the net swollen the like um, crazy and that was it, didn't Terry, he, it Terry your dad gave you a bollocking yeah. and then on Sky
1: Sports it said young goalkeeper has um, done his cruise ship playing tennis with yeah, his brother to spin a lie and say he did it playing
0: tennis oh, there enough. you go
1: right okay um, next <clears throat> question this is a good one for you both um, we'll start with you Paul what impact does it have on the players when the manager of your club is changed very frequently
2: um, yeah it can be obviously not ideal the stability your player um working under different managers, different philosophies, different formations all the time it's yeah it, it doesn't help so as a player though all you can do is do what's best for you and that's to play the position that you play and and, and do as well as you can and make the manager's decision hard to to sort of take you out of the team but yeah it, it can be very dis, um, disruptive no stability and, and 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 obviously not really much identity within the club if they're going to keep doing that Right, okay. This has come from one of our, our mates, Scotty Powell, young young man. Um
1: on the back of that question, Ben, do the players look looking when you were at Watford, for example, there was obviously a big churn of manager, does it get to a point where the players are standing there going, Fuck's sake, we've just had a new manager. He wants to play a different formation. Mm. What chance have we got? Do you start questioning?
0: Yeah, the a little above? bit, a little bit. I think it's um you get you get especially at Watford, you got so used to it happening that you just knew it was inevitable, basically, which which in turn is a bad place to be because you knew that that manager, if he got off to a bad start, would be under pressure straight away. And then it would just it would alter the dynamics of how the football club would work. Um, but as soon as a new manager is coming in and you're looking at the rumour mill, you're looking at the betting odds, all that kind of stuff, you start trying to find out what that new manager is about. So as soon as you know there's a guy that's a favourite for it, you might look at some of the other players and say, oh, you played with him. What's he like? And then you would find out, you'd get a get a sort of a gauge of what that guy's about. And most of the time, all you want to know is, is he a good guy? And what day off does he give you? <laughs> right. <laughs> does he give you Sunday, Wednesday? The first two and, are you questions? Getting, and is he going to give me the, the fair opportunity that I deserve as a player? Yeah. That's okay. what you look at.
1: Right. We're going to do a couple more. Um, obviously the good thing about this is is
0: we can give contact you guys can give can contact, we do a part two so. to this by the way because yeah. I feel like there are about seven billion more questions yeah, I think, that we could unearth yeah. and, and actually try and explain away a bit more as well yeah, yeah. yeah sure for sure
1: right last couple of questions uh, lads what was your go to
2: pre-match meal Paul uh, I was quite boring actually I used to just have cereal a bit of toast with <laughs> peanut butter on it that was my nice. pre-match yeah, I, I never wanted to feel I never wanted to feel too heavy going okay. into a game after the game, I'd then fill myself up. Was that something you always, was that always your pre-match? Always. Um, maybe when I was younger, I used to have a bit of spaghetti bolognese with the sauce and that on it. But then the sauce become, for me, a little bit too acid when I was okay. playing. Mm. So when you when you were running around, you could then feel it. Like, when you burped, you could feel the the, the sauce. Yeah, okay. So I didn't want that feeling while I was playing. So I just felt, right, I'm going to go on to a little bit of cereal now with a bit of milk and then some toast. And then yeah, I just felt right as rain doing that. It's, it's
0: funny outfield players like it's a genuine concern. They have to be really mindful of what they're going to take for pre-match meal. Pre-match meal is typically three hours before, isn't it? So if it's three o'clock kickoff, you're all sitting down at twelve o'clock to have your pre-match meal. Uh, again, for outfield players, they they genuinely have to use it as fuel to get through the game. Goalkeepers it's not about that for us. We we can genuinely just eat what we want. So I it, I, I would change every week. It didn't really matter to me. One of my favourites towards the end would be, um, you'd always have chicken breasts and I'd, I'd just make like a, a chicken sandwich. I'd put a bit of like cheese on it, a bit of, uh, tomato ketchup butter my bread and it would be basically a chicken chicken and cheese sandwich and it would be it would be beautiful because the chicken was warm as well um, but for goalies we can we can eat or drink whatever we wanted basically
1: fair play right
0: okay last question
1: which team has the, the kind of biggest fortress so you know when oh. you um, hear people referring to it it's, it's a fortress so yeah. Old Trafford back in the day so uh, over your careers what team did you feel like Ooh. you were going to a fortress and that question's from
2: uh Routledge um, I would probably say Anfield. Yeah, that's just first because one that just pops in. just yeah. because of the actual historic meaning to the club itself. With you walk down the tunnel, you touch the badge, you go out. You, you like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. As soon as they Goosebumps. sing, flip me. Yeah. It's like you want to join in. Singing the song, <laughs> yeah, don't you?
0: I think I did a few times. Eh? So you, <laughs> you, you do, mean, don't you? Yeah, I think I did a few times. <laughs> you never walk alone, and all <laughs> yeah, that. I'm, am
2: si- you're muttering it to yourself, going, "What are you doing? Don't get, yeah. get caught." Looking around at fifty thousand
1: people whilst you, you're muttering. Do you, it?
2: you touch the so the the when you're saying about the the tunnel? There's a um, this is Anfield, is it? Yeah. This is Anfield, Sign, yeah. And a lot of the home players touch it. Do they the all y- touch it? Did the away players. players touch it? I think some some did, yeah. Some did, yeah. Just just out of respect, yeah, because it's
0: it's just a great yeah. ground to go and play at. Fuzzy, Yeah, Liverpool was the first one that popped in my head. I I would have said Anfield. Um, To be fair, there are. There's a few. Um, Newcastle is always incredible. I I think it's that wow factor when you walk out the tunnel and you look around and it just seems so ginormous and filled with fans. So Liverpool gives you that... um, Newcastle without doubt Everton used to really kind of yeah. Yeah, intimidating as well because they're on top yeah. of you yeah. Highbury that's, that's, that's was bit, another yeah. one as well yeah, the old Highbury yeah. yeah. no, even White Hart Lane like, mate. White out. Hart Lane the old White Hart Lane when Spurs were in their pomp with Harry Kane and Dele Alley and all them boys when they were going through a really good spell. oh we're
2: forgetting West Ham mate
0: oh mate come on Upton old school Park. West Ham Upton, uh, Upton oh, Park well, that's yeah. got to be one that, of the most intimidating that places was this, as Well, as that was a really tough place disgusting just because their fans
2: are lively yeah but the atmosphere—what a place to go and play football!
0: Well, as, as somebody who worked on the Millwall coaching staff, what's it like playing at the Den?
2: Yeah, the new Den is yeah. obviously a little bit different to the old Den. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like you say, the fans with the way the games change now, then they're, they're not probably as as bad as what they were. It's yeah. more of the younger generation that now go to the games there. So the old guard have gone, so it's not as uh, as yeah, volatile. Not, and... not, not as volatile. Obviously, you're still going to get the the odd word flying your way. Yeah, But, yeah, yeah. but that was. That's the norm, really, isn't it? Yeah. But, but yeah, I wouldn't say it's as, as intimidating as what it has been over the years. Uh,
1: okay. I think as a fan, Liverpool is Anfield Yeah. It's yeah Anfield. I remember yeah. going there and like when it's it doesn't matter who you support, but when that when that song goes before the game, you know oh. you'll never walk oh. alone. It, it goosebumps. Is, it is goosebumps. Goosebumps. I've got one more question for you. Come this on. is one of my own. So you can go to any derby match in the world as a football fan. What game are you going to? <laughs> I'll throw know, mine in quickly you know, yeah. and it's not too far away. I'm going to Rangers Celtic.
2: Oh, yeah. That's yeah, that's one that's always thought, but I'd like to go to one abroad, like a Real Madrid Barcelona. Or yeah, that would El be Classico. Nice, yeah, Classico. Yeah. Or who is it? Um, Boca Juniors. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. River, Plate, River Plate. River Plate. Yes. That's one that's obviously I'm pushing Danger Line there. <laughs> yeah, we going on that with are. my security and safety of it. But it's just, you know, when you just want to go into a, a ground where you feel like intimidation of both sets of supporters and that rivalry and that fiery hatred, on the, the, yeah, hatred, hatred on the pitch as well for the players, the way that they stare yeah. at each other and go, "Come on then, let's have it." Oh, that's yeah, that's one. That's one. River Plate I, I,
0: I think I think I've been swayed by that. I was going to say something like. Um, like a, a Red Star Belgrade Partizan gray. you know it's going yeah. to be trouble you know there's going to be flares it's going to be fiery uh, but I would I would genuinely be scared for my safety um, I think the River Plate Boca Juniors I'm, I'm, I'm still probably too scared to go to it I won't lie to you but I think that would be the one I, I think it's a scarier one. one perception Galatasaray Fenerbahce oh Ooh. golly can you imagine Graham Sooness, yeah carrying out a flag and sticking it in the centre circle at that no. derby like that oh, we've got some cojones got, yeah, wow what about the Milan derby oh AC Inter that, yeah, I would be I'd yeah. be a bit worried about that I'd be a bit that worried one, about my safety yeah, there yeah, I would, yeah. I would. Yeah, I genuinely that's one would. though
2: that's also again it's up there isn't it yeah it's right are up we, there are we going to have
1: a Dayway away day guys yeah without yeah, doubt let's to. do that Come let's on, do
0: it one time yeah, this year we'll make a little match day vlog or something yeah I think we're done can think I get done. invited to that one yeah absolutely you're part of the Fozcast yeah we're going to do a part two as well don't forget everybody and um Thank you for thank you for listening. Thank you for watching, uh, Paul Robinson. You've been incredible. Thank you, you've Paul. already done a football fill-in today. That was world class. And the Foscast, you backed it up. Back to back successes for you. Uh, so thank you very much. In the meantime, up the Foscast. We will see you soon. The Foscast. Up the Foscast.
1: Thanks everybody for watching. We hope you enjoyed the latest episode of the Foscast. Don't forget to give us a follow on Spotify. Up the Foscast.